The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This segment of the USCC Expo Experience on CannabisRadio.com is presented by Soterra Wellness, unlocking the natural health benefits of medical cannabis in order to help relieve symptoms and restore your health. Find wellness at Soterra.com. S-U-R-T-E-R-R-A dot com. And Dom Life, a boutique lifestyle lounge unlike anything before. Located in Phoenix, Arizona, Dom Life, where paradise and cannabis meet. Learn more at D-O-M-M dot life. Grassroots Marketing on CannabisRadio.com proudly presents the USCC Expo Experience. Featuring one-on-one interviews with speakers, exhibitors, and attendees from the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. And now, the USCC Expo Experience, only on CannabisRadio.com. Podcasting from our CannabisRadio.com studios here in South Florida, U.S. of A. Not too far from this weekend's past USCC Expo, the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, where we had an amazing jam-packed panel which was entitled Cultivation, the New Age of Commercial Grow Operations. Uh, we're happy to go and speak with one of the speakers and a, uh, that got to be a part of this panel, the direct, acting director of operations for Three Boys Farm, William Marone. William, thanks for joining us here on Cannabis Radio. Thank you, sir. So, got a chance to go and talk before we got on here. Got to hear, uh, we had a lot of good speakers on the panel and a wide range of uh discussion and very in-depth on cultivation. Give me a couple of highlights, if you will. Well, I, I think a couple of highlights in, in Florida is you have to look at, um, you know, pest control and protocols as far as, you know, cleanliness protocols, people going into facilities, out of facilities, because you can have just one bug, uh, one trip or a spider mite or something on your clothing, and if you don't go through the proper protocols of keeping your people clean going in, you can introduce uh, bugs that are going to go after the plants and they'll either you know go after it and consume it or they'll go after it and weaken the plant where some pathogen will come in. So that's one thing, one of the items that was covered is just protocols as you're going along. And then we touched on beneficial pests where in Florida we're, we're quite buggy with the heat and humidity and everything going along so you have to have kind of a clean structure around your cultivation. And then the release of beneficial insects and some of the things that you can run into, for example, things that you might do up north, you may not necessarily do down south uh, because of our heating and our humidity and, and the timing, the release of the beneficial bugs mm-hmm. to make sure that they do their job and uh, keep all the plants healthy. Now, there's an ongoing uh, discussion about pollution when it comes to uh, agriculture in general, and that's become a very hot-button Florida election topic. Is that something the cannabis industry at all is being affected by, by any of the algae pollution that's being blamed for, which is said, first of all, by sugar and then other uh, things, but I was wondering if that 
has any effect on the cannabis industry here in Florida? And not really. I don't think so. Because when you're watering, all that water is captured and it's run through a system that's cleaned and uh, recirculated a lot. Uh, we're paying for water, so we don't want to take large amounts of water and then put it out in the canal with all the the nutrients and then adding to the, the, the algae problem that we have out there. So everything we do is just enough water to water the plants. We capture that water and then we clean it and, re, and re, uh, recycle it at that point. Even rainwater, we capture the rainwater and, and try to use that along with our existing processes. Talk to me about um, some of the research and developments being done right now. Uh, what as any technologies that were discussed, any kind of improvements, new features, uh, progression, the, the evolution of um, the cultivation itself in general? Well, it, it's interesting because years ago, LEDs were not even effective, and people were looking at the old school lighting systems for with regard to vegetation or putting plants in a bloom. And now the LEDs have exploded with the with the full spectrum LEDs, and and they're a lot more efficient on the use of electricity. Uh, there's one interesting thing that came up in the topic was the different colors of shade cloth and how that affects mm-hmm. uh, your cannabinoid production in the plants. That's one thing I didn't even hear or, or have knowledge of until the other day when I uh, heard Ryan, one of the other speakers, talking about that. The oh. um, mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, the, the, you make mention of the LED lighting, which um, from some of the people that we talked to that run dispensaries and and grows the. Which was still the first thing, one of the very first interviews I did was fascinating, it was with Peyton Mosley of Vitacan, about the fact of how you would think in uh, in Florida, would, I mean, if you're not looking in and you're not well aware, like I was, that sun-grown wouldn't be necessarily the go-to for uh, cultivating plants here because it is lighting that's being used. But I was wondering if there's any technologies coming up now where solar might be added to the mix. Uh, solar would certainly be added to the mix, but then again, you're talking about real estate. You have to have the real estate for the panels, and you also have to have the real estate for the batteries. So you, you capture you know, the sun, you charge the batteries, then you have to have a converter there to, to change it over to power your lighting system. So you know, there is an, a large initial capital investment, and then there's also investment with regard to real estate if you're going to have a certain number of panels to feed the electrical into the system. Interesting. Uh, for yourself, are there any particular takeaways that you were not aware of before you came into the panel? Just uh, maybe a couple, a couple of quick takeaways you just thought that uh, were kind of eye-popping. Uh, what was eye-popping to me was uh, a couple of the speakers, or one of the speakers there had quite a bit of knowledge on, on beneficial insects. And, and uh, a lot of that is just you have to learn it. You, you know, there, there are folks that we're interfacing with where we're pur- purchasing our beneficial insects to go after, or predatory insects to go after the, the, the bad insects. And, and this gentleman had quite a bit of knowledge with regard to uh, release and how it works in a vegetative environment as opposed to a, a, um, when you're putting it into a flowering environment and how some bugs don't play well with other bugs. So you can go off and purchase a lot of different beneficial bugs and put them in uh, out there. And then if you're not careful, your investment may be eating your other investment and you're not aware of it. So, you know, from a, from a, um, from a funding standpoint, it, it's good to have that knowledge so you're not wasting your, wasting your dollars. Now, 2020, hopefully Florida will get a chance to have on the ballot once again and obviously the petitions are being put out there 
most likely we'll have a chance to see if adult use legalization will be put on the ballot for vote. And if it does, um, I mean, there's the thought about how the Florida cannabis market could become the second largest market after California in no time by 2020 have over a billion and a half dollars in sales for there's a, a criteria right now currently where designated zoning to legally cultivate process and dispense very tight conditions right now and just being able to open up new grows open up new dispensaries is so tightly regulated right now will if legalization actually happens you know what are the things that need to happen in order to open the doors and open the parameters so that the regulations can be loosened up so that it can be easier to start adding new grows as we come along to take care of the supply and demand well personally and i'm just speaking for myself here is that you know i believe a vertical market and a horizontal market can coexist you can have a vertical market where folks want to do it from seed to sale but a horizontal market for dispensaries and extraction where if you've got the mom and pops who want to get together and raise the money they can go off and purchase a dispensary license and then they could go ahead and purchase from any of the verticals, you know, at that point and have that product available. And I, I think that would be, you know, from an economic standpoint, it would be better. And for those people uh, that don't have a business model that says, I want to build out 30, 40, 50 dispensaries. Uh, for example, Green Solutions, I think that was one of their old models is they were wanting to franchise out their dispensaries. That would work. And then they would they could put all their money into cultivation or all their money in, in, into certain elements instead of all the other areas. So if you were to have a horizontal market that allowed delivery and, and extraction and uh, dispensaries, that would allow these entrepreneurs to come in and they could work with the verticals, yeah. those that want to do it. If you've got a vertical who wants to do everything, fine. But if you've got one who says, you know what, I want to contract out my delivery or I want to franchise out in my dispensaries, and I wouldn't see why they wouldn't because you could get a quicker build out on your dispensaries if you had a horizontal in that area as opposed to going through all these capital raises one after another and building it out. So talk to me about the future of uh, dispensaries and grows, the what uh, the, what it looks like, I guess, and if we see legalization come down the horizon five years from now, and to keep up, say, for any of the grows you have here, obviously a lot of investors are looking to put their money in into grows that are already built in here to get to be part of this booming economy that's going to be soon to happen once this happens what do you see happening and there's there's what's a, I mean how many there's a few of see? there's a few of them going public right now so so true leave is going public and you'll be able to buy shares in them three boys is uh, this is already public uh, we're going to be going public here in a little while and others uh, I wouldn't be surprised also to see President Trump step in right before the midterm elections here in 2018 and maybe do some soft version of rescheduling and then not doing the full rescheduling until 2020 to make that a wedge issue during, in, the, in the election. I'm seeing a lot of clues in that. I'm seeing some trial balloons going up in the media about will uh, President Trump reschedule cannabis you know, in the, in the coming months. And it just looks to me like there's something that's going to be happening there. Plus, if the state's rights bill gets passed here in November, then in effect, CBD and hemp can be moved across borders. So you can grow CBD in, or, or grow hemp in, say, Georgia or other states and then transport it to, say, 
Spring Hope, North Carolina, where Hemp uh, Incorporated is, is there. They could purchase it, and then they could render it and, into a variety of different products and sell it to the industry. So the state's rights bill, if it, if it gets signed and passed here in November, that's going to be very interesting. And for those that are looking at hemp, which is a cannabis plant that's below 0.3 THC, according to the feds, that's going to be a whole area to look at. The big boys are looking at it now, but I don't know if the small to mid-sized farmers are aware that this might be a huge opportunity coming down the, coming down the path. Well, I'll tell you what, I love that prognostication, and I honestly do feel like, and I feel like there's other people out there that, you know, they want to put, put Jeff Sessions into the mix and saying this is somebody that's going to be a deterrent. And I, I honestly do believe that, you know, what we see right now in Washington is not going to get into the way or preclude us from getting farther ahead and what's going to be a booming economy and what's going to be just only add to what the state of Florida can bring. So I do appreciate the conversation, Bill. So, again, we've been talking with William Monroe, Acting Director of Operations of Three Boys Farm. Please tell us if, uh, if there's any way we can go ahead and keep in touch with you, any events that are going on, um, efforts that you're working on yourself. Uh, let us know how we can find out more. Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things I'm working with is I'm working with uh, a, a couple of ladies from Naples. We're putting a conference on here in two weeks uh, that, that's going to be taking place in Tampa. And uh, that's one thing there. That'd be a great opportunity. And what, another thing I tell people is if they can't afford to go to the conference, go to the hotel where the conference is and just stay at the hotel and hang out in the pool during the day, but network in the mornings and then network in the evenings. So in the evenings, everybody's uh, taking their time, they're going to mixers, they're having little parties, so you can meet with them and you can you can network with a lot of those people, and, and one of those connections may end up with with something for someone down the line. So that's where I would say these conferences, like the one that just happened in Miami, the ones that's happening here in two weeks in, in uh, Tampa, are are great for people to go to, and you don't necessarily have to go to the whole conference for those people on a budget, the mom and pops or something, but. You know, um, I, I would just say go to the conference because there's a lot of good speakers and a lot to learn on. But it, even in attendance, there's a lot of good networking uh, taking place there. Absolutely. Well, thank you, William, for joining us here on Canvas Radio. We really do appreciate it. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to the USCC Expo Experience only on CannabisRadio.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.